0: Kaiju FM, come find your niche. Hey, folks, and welcome to the next episode of a Prestige. hey folks and welcome to the next episode of the prestige a podcast for film lovers by us other film lovers each week we pick a film we talk about that film review that film some of the ideas and themes that that kind of movie throws up and uh, as always we end the show with recommendations of further reading further watching if you will movies inspired by or we'd recommend instead of this week's movie but we always start the show with what else we've been watching and the other things, or reading, or listening to, or generally enjoying about uh, media in the last two weeks now. So Sam, is there anything that you want to particularly highlight that you've enjoyed in the last two weeks?
1: Yes, well, it's, it's three weeks now because, uh, well, the, the reason it's three weeks is the reason that I've actually got something to talk about, um, Is three weeks because my house is in a state of flux at the moment and it took me a while to get round to watching films Um, and because of that my wife and son have upsticks and decamped to somewhere that's less of a building type and that means that I've been to the cinema I've been to the cinema twice since we last talked Um, once was my mother-in-law and father-in-law uh, babysat for us very kindly and I went to see the latest Star Wars film, episode nine, Rise of Star Rise of Skywalker, which um, was very enjoyable. It was um what you have you seen it, Rob?
0: I haven't seen it yet.
1: It well I'm never gonna say it. it it was it was a, a solid film. It was kind mm. of what you wanted the a Star Wars film to be, and also what you wanted the end film of a trilogy, trilogies to be. It was, it was a bit cheesy in places and a bit predictable in places, but you, that was kind of reassuring rather than annoying. Mm. So yeah, it was, it was very enjoyable. And the second one, um, I went to see this time last week, which was the latest Sam Mendes film. Nineteen Seventeen, which I saw. Well, actually, last Friday, so the day it came out, um, and it was utterly brilliant, and so much so that well, I I read various articles about it online the day after, and then I read an article that was a bit sniffy about it, and I just stopped reading. Mo- mo- mostly, when I read things that are in I think, "Well, okay, let's let's hear this out. Let's see what this person has to say." And I just thought, "No, you know, I love this film. I don't want to hear negative stuff about it." So you're wrong. I'll stop reading you.
0: I think it's it's a good sign when it comes to media and art that there isn't a right answer. No, so you haven't got to you haven't got to engage with the opposite side. do like it? Fair enough. You do move on. He says, as a uh, Ready Player One diehard fan. <laughs>
1: Um, There may be Negative things to say about this But The cinematography was amazing Roger Deakins is a genius Um, The direction was great There was some George Mackay as the lead Was brilliant And I hadn't seen him before Um, I think He may have been in some other stuff Some TV stuff But um, I haven't seen him on film um and there were a number of cameos from um principal people who are all in the trailer. The Nick Comes Batch mm. is in the trailer, um Colin Firth is in the trailer. Um but it wasn't really about them because they were sort of three minute cameos. It was all about George McCly and Dean Charles Chapman at the centre of the story. Which is told in one long shot and unlike rope unlike Hitchcock's rope where it was fairly obviously cut into nine-minute chunks or 11-minute chunks because the restrictions of the film. Um, You could see where the joins are, but it kind of fluidly moved together, and it was Mm. was very enjoyable. So, yeah, I would heartily recommend 1917.
0: Excellent, excellent. I have actually been to cinema in ages, so I can't recommend or uh, not recommend any kind of similar movies but i have been watching netflix um, okay. and i want to actually recommend a um show recommended to me by my colleague at work um it completely slipped past me in in the new algorithmically driven age of media it just hadn't been shown to me on netflix i just completely missed it i had to go and google for it which per, quick aside quick sidebar is a travesty this film is so in my house i don't know how netflix didn't notice it to me but it is. It is called Daybreak, and it is a post apocalyptic teen comedy. So, like the two areas that I really love joined. Um, it stars Colin Ford and um, various other sort of young, up and coming, far too beautiful people living in LA uh, about the apocalypse. But it is very much a comedy. It is somehow Mad Max meets 10 Things I Hate About You meets Walking Dead. Um, it's very much in that kind of the tribe-esque vibe of all the adults are dead, it's just the kids around and they form these Mad mad Mac-esque tribes, but it's very much played for laughs, it's very funny, Colin Ford, who plays the main guy, is very, very apt for this, and he has very much the charisma for it. Um, It completely went under my radar entirely, Netflix just didn't serve it to me, so if you haven't been given it, I would recommend heartily to go and find out. Also, cracking support from Matthew Boderick who uh, is Freyth Bueller, he'll always be Freyth Bueller, even though he's a much older man now, in my head he'll always be Freyth And he's in it as the principal of the school. There are flashbacks to the pre, pre-apocalypse days. How old is he now? Oh, I'm going to say he's in his 50s, he says, googling frantically.
1: Okay, well, look, we are continuing, guys, with our...
0: He's 57.
1: Anyway, we, we are continuing. Now I'm just thinking about Matthew Brother um, we're continuing with The latest in our series Of high school films Which didn't contain The aforementioned Ferris Bueller Although we had mentioned it in this fact We were talking about The Breakfast Club And we are stopping this week On a film that Rob has already mentioned And Rob has already mentioned it As a touchstone of one of his um, Films of this week um, Talking about Daybreak And it is the 1999 film, Ten Things I Hate About You.
0: There's a difference between like and love. Because I like my Skechers, but I love my Prada backpack.
1: Bianca Stratford is the most popular girl at Padua High.
0: You're asking me out? I'm down. I've got the 411. And you are not going out and getting jiggy with some boy. I don't care how dope his ride is. Her sister, Kat, is something else entirely. People perceive you as somewhat tempestuous. Hannah <laughs> switch is the term used most often. The only thing they have in common... I am the only girl in school who's not dating. Oh, no, you're not. Your sister doesn't date. ...is one simple rule. Okay, you can date. When she does but she's a mutant what if she never dates? Then you'll never date oh i like that for cameron no one will go out with her it's a problem
1: would any of you be interested in dating katarina stratford
0: <laughs> maybe if we were the last two people alive and there were no goats are there goats <laughs> patrick and hey, what about him i heard he ate a live duck once everything but the beak and feet it's a challenge
1: so you two are gonna help me tame the wild beast
0: absolutely and for Kat, cat it's about time oh, come on think about it me with my arm around you
1: you covered in my vomit i'd like to discuss tomorrow night with you now as you know it's the prom
0: Stone Pictures presents.
1: Stay cool, bro. Yes, yeah.
0: A story for every guy who's ever tried.
1: You never give up, do you? Was that a yes? No. Well, then was that a no? No.
0: Every girl who's ever hoped. You're not as vile as I thought you were. That's is not good. And anyone who's ever been taken completely by surprise. She kissed me. Where? In the car. Concentrating awfully hard considering it's gym class. Ten Things I Hate About You.
1: Ten Things I Hate About You is a a romantic comedy based on, based largely on um, the works of Shakespeare. Um, It's built as a modernization of. The Taming of the Shrew, and it stars daughters Cat um, and Bianca, played by um, Julia Stiles and Louis Olmec. i I remember her name. Olmec, that's it. Um, and with support from Joe's Gordon-Levitt and, memorably, Heath Ledger. And it's... <laughs> It's sharp and it's funny and I'm giving away my review of it but it's it's a fast-paced um, film influenced by the TV of the time and the films of the time as much as by the works of Shakespeare. There are nods to Tame of the Shrew and other plays by Shakespeare throughout but there is an awful lot of the contemporary late 1990s scene here, including um, appearances from actual bands, sort of moving <laughs> the music moves from the diegetic to the non diegetic or the other way around, culminating in a Left to Clear cameo right at the end, performing the title track of the film. Um, so, Rob, it has been Jesus, 21 years since this film was released, so what are your thoughts?
0: I think this is a film it's hard to separate out from elements of nostalgia versus elements of quality. This film came out in 1999, I was 17, you were 16. Um, I would have seen it at that point in the cinema with my friends and probably my girlfriend, and it would have been something that we did and it would have been a teen movie of, of our teen years. So it is often hard to separate out those movies and their level of quality, shall we say, against the memories of them. It's a, a running joke among me and Sam, and sometimes on the podcast, that about the movie she's all that uh, that I maintain is a modern classic, and Sam thinks is basically Tosh, and. That is, that is for me the pinnacle of that sort of experience of I can't separate out cheese all that from my own teen experiences and so it's not impossible for me to, to judge that as a piece of art, as a, as a, sort of a piece, of, piece of media that all being said I think 10 things happen to you is a brilliant movie, I think that you've got some very very good actors on the absolute cusp of stardom particularly obviously Heath Ledger um, and Jason Gordon Levitt, but also, whilst they haven't gone on to the heights of the others, Julia Stiles is great in it, Larissa is great in it, and sort of the support, a lot of people a lot of the background actors in this are people who go on to do other things and do very well for themselves. I can't speak to its translation. I've never read Taming of the Shrew that I believe it's based on, so I can't speak to how it translates that into modern day, but I do think it's good. I think it is, it treads that fine line between. I suppose harsh reality and over-the-stop-top pastiche. I talked about Daybreak earlier and that is that, that that veers wildly into parody and jokes because it's about everything's turned up too high and, you know, they are the, the cheer Amazons and the jocks who become mad. Like, that's, that's too far. But here you've got that fine line of, like, there are cults and there are sects within the school that are turned up a little bit. You know, particularly the, sort of, the future millionaires of America kind of group. But it's all told mostly with love with mostly with warmth um the the bad guys in the movie aren't really that bad um and i think the so the acting and the, the script as sam i don't know if we caught that at the beginning um but i know most of the script and i can quote most of the script and it's amazing how much it comes back to you and i think it's so well written so yeah i think that's it i think that's it's, it's, I, sometimes I come to these reviews I'm sorry guys, this isn't a great review but it's kind of like, I'm trying to separate out my nostalgia from it, from its reality but I think its reality is still pretty good
1: I, I would really agree with that I'm I sat down to watch this film for God knows how many the, how many time it was I watched it, but I watched it this evening and it, it just I, I really enjoyed it it was, and and I also, we had this discussion just before we recorded, and you said that it, I could quote so much of this film. There are so many mm. lines that I feel, it's it's weird to, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to compare, it. well, I am going to compare this Shakespeare, Um Not necessarily, in not at all in the quality, but in the sense that, like you were saying there, there's something almost iconic about the place in late 90s culture of this film for me, and for you, and for millions of other people, in kind of the same way that Drama at different points in history works, and in the same way, there's something iconic about a famous speech in *Macbeth*, to take one that um, Michael quotes. Um, there's also there's something iconic about this. There's something iconic about the discussion the girls have about mm. wealth at the start, and like it, you just, I I don't. I, I want you, I need you, oh baby, oh baby, is just one of the greatest lines in cinema history when it's delivered like that with mm. a lie roll. I just love Julia Stiles at that point. And it's just so, I mean, kissing is not what keeps me up to my elbows in placenta. It's a great yes. line. And just, there's, there's so, there's so many little things in this script. And I think it's, like I said, there's something iconic, really iconic about this, this script. And also films like this, um, and TV like this as well. There are times when I, I thought, like the way the camera moved, and the way that, particularly when Michael showed camera around the school mm. at the beginning, moving between the cliques. There's something like it's sort of fast paced like an American comedy t v show about this, like the little vignettes you get of mm-hmm. the jokes or the the white rasters or the kind of the tension with Bogie scene and Michael right at this start and there's just i mean it, there's something really snappy and clean and yeah there's just some something really fast paced and enjoyable and t v like about this film and i don't don't mean that in a dramatic way at all. there's something of the moment of the of the the late nineteen nineties moment about this
0: yeah I think that's i mean it's hard to escape at this this era in times sort or of the influence of m t v and that kind of music video esque editing that kind of took over and influenced a lot of things and we saw a little bit last time with the craft and that kind of flashiness that they put into some of the scenes there, but it's much more in effect here. You know, this, this is the, the film features you know live, genuinely pop bands playing at a prom, and this is it's probably we I feel we should talk a little bit about the sort of the culture at the time because there are this cohort of movies that take place at the same kind of time here that are all kind of the same. Mm. These films are—they are modern retellings of these sort of old stories and these classical stories. But there is this—she's this, all that—and this sits in that kind of small mini explosion of these kind of movies, and they are all feeling this effect of kind of explosion of pop culture, um, and the idea of this kind of MTV poppy, very fast cut editing, very kind of snap, 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 and you say in that scene, um, and. I'm sure we'll see this more when we kind of um, get into the next episode because it's done again there and you see a bit of it in the craft and this this idea of the new kid coming to school and being shown around the different cliques we see it in Clueless which we aren't covering on this show but is in that same kind of you're being shown around where to hang out where not to that kind of thing it's this trope that's done again and again and again and it's, it's done really well here and I think that's part of that is the charisma of the characters and I just want to highlight one thing. I mean I'm I'm harping about the actors a little bit, but the two main sort of two main love interests, I suppose, for the boys is Kat and Bianca, uh, the two sisters, and then you've got Patrick and Cameron in the Boys. And I think particularly with the Cat Traffic character, it's a very fine line to tread, that character, Cat particularly, where you've got to find where they She's antisocial, she is the shrew, as they call her. But you've also got to understand why someone falls in love with her. Mm. And the same with Bianca. Bianca can be a bit more spoiled, be a bit more kind of mainstream, popular girl. And you've got to find out why someone fall in love with them. And the same for Patrick and Cameron. And they all have this amazing ability to play these characters who are so wildly different, but you all end up kind of going, Yeah, I kind of get why I fall for them. I kind of get why people where someone fell in love with um Cameron. Um I find someone fell in love with Patrick. You know, it's not because of he did it so studly Like they, they they kind of you get why all these people fell in love with them. Um and it's in that kind of MTV, Jersey Shore era, that kind of, that kind of that kind of explosion of kind of pop mainstream youth pop culture um influenced this massively and saw this some sort of explosion of these um movies and i think uh, this whole season we're doing is kind of framed in the idea of breakfast club to now and breakfast club to this are wildly different films hmm. um and the journey we've gone on to get has felt organic i suppose that's how kind of these kind of trends go you go kind of, you move 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 a little bit move a little bit move a little bit and you end up somewhere else but they just feel like a very different film in the way that breakfast club can be a little bit like you don't understand us here is a exploration of teen culture a exploration of teenagers as, as their own lives this film this film tells you starts from a point of view of of course the ma- lives of teenagers matter of course the lives of these young people are important and fraught with anxiety and problems and love and loss and reality and it, the lessons that we were taught in breakfast club have become so ingrained that they aren't even it's not even, even presumed when you go into this movie that that's believed
1: i do think what's what's really good about this film something that might get overlooked about this film is that it knows it's he, he knows it is self-aware to the extent that it knows it's a little bit ridiculous mm. and we see this in the episode with the english teacher i mean it's strange to me there's so many scenes of english teachers in this season
0: but because you're so cool because you're englishers you're just the coolest
1: yeah thing. that's it um but the scene seeing the english teacher at the beginning when he says, I mean, Kat makes her stand and says something political about gender representation. And then she says, well, oh, yeah, it must be so difficult. And he makes a, a point about representation and black lives. And it's just, it's the filmmaker saying, okay, we kind of know that her the the concerns of all the teenagers in this film are a little bit ridiculous. They're a little mm. bit upper middle class and everyone's privileged and everyone overwhelmingly most of the characters you see on the screen are wise and we kind of know that. So I did like that at the beginning of the English sheet saying, Okay, there is a little more for this, but you know what? I the the filmmaker saying we kind of we kind of understand that. And it's something that you didn't get with um, Dead Poets Society. There was no mm. knowledge of that. It was like a literally twisted, separate, separated world that these boys were living in. And there was no questioning of the environment they were in. And it feels like there's a little bit of questioning. There's a little bit of pushback in this film. Probably yeah. not enough. thinking about... Racial representation, but there's still there's still a little bit of pushback there.
0: Yeah, I think there's um, it's hard with these films because you kind of in this day and age, if you put this film out, be like, well, this is an incredibly white film. It, it did in the 2020 culture we live in, it's an incredibly white movie. Um, it has some black characters certainly. It has some uh, sort of ethnic minority characters, but they are um, side characters at best. Mm. They are um supporting characters. It is really the tale of four white people falling in love, and their two white friends, and their white dad, and it is very that way. Sort of not even forced; it's just it's just that way. If you look at the other movies of this era, Ten Things About You, Orange County, that kind of thing, they are also that kind of tokenistic approach to diversity. Mm. And I think that's, I mean, it's not even problematic. It's just it's regrettable. But I don't think it it, it takes away from it being as good a film as it's It's it's, it's as powerful a film as it is. Uh, No, I think it. I mean, it's even powerful is the wrong word. Just, just a good time. It's a really good time. I mean, I, I feel I don't want to sort of pull back the curtain too much, guys. Here, but like Sam and I always try our best to find something critical in the sort of more academic term of critical, rather than just saying bad things about the movies we talk about. But sometimes movies are just a really good fun. Sometimes a really good experience, and they say fun and good things, and they make you feel something. And for me, they this film, I wouldn't say it made me nostalgic. No, because I, I it made me nostalgic for like us as kids watching this movie. Yeah, if you see what I'm saying. I see. But because the film is so fraught with do they like me do they not like me and in many ways of the machinations of teenagers falling in love i can be a bit like with my middle-aged head looking back just just tell her like it's not that hard
1: oh yeah i didn't i see what you're saying i didn't long to be in this situation at all but there is something about that like like you say, all, all this dialogue you, you feel, you know, and you remember, mm-hmm. and you know, you feel what it was like to be yourself at 15, yeah. 16, 17 when you're watching these films.
0: And I'm I'm sure our lives were just as messy and just as improbable. But it's it's very strange thinking about the relationship side of stuff, and and being a dad now, being a dad to a daughter, um, seeing the dad character who. I always loved as a kid. I've always found him very funny. But I'm not like, my God, you're a terrifying adult. You're a terrifying father to these girls. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's horrendous things he does. Like, it's you, sometimes you can't put films through the filters of how appropriate they are. You can just enjoy them for what they are. And for me, this is a film that evokes memories. It evokes thoughts of growing up with my best friend, you know, going with him to see movies and, it's really lovely that here we are 21 years later talking about a film that we probably saw together at yeah. the view in Reading or the showcase at Winnersh or somewhere like that. Yeah. We saw this, and who would have thought who we are the, these years later? And it's like I like that kind of line through my life, kind yeah. of pulling from both ends. And
1: there's, I mean, just thinking about how I mean, how this film might be viewed differently nowadays. I mean that interaction between Judas and Heath Leisure when she says, Is there any reason you're taking me to a problem and he says, No, are you suggesting that I need to have a motive? I mean if you analyze, I mean she should know, analysing that is is gaslighting. As a student mm. of feminist um, literature, which she is, she should be aware of what's going on. And we look at her now and you think, well, That's actually quite a horrifying moment. Just like the father, like you said, the father is a terrifying human being, but Mm. you kind of, you're not going to, not going to forgive it for moments like that, but you put it aside because you're right. It's just enjoyable and it's just good fun to see that you've been watching these films for 21 years and it's, there is a, a certain degree of nostalgia to your own life, not necessarily focusing mm. too much on the content of the film.
0: Yes. I. I it would be interesting to see how it would be for a teenager to watch it, a current teenager, to watch it today. Yes. And their reaction to yeah. it. So do you have some recommendations for us? Something else to uh, to recommend or talk about? Yes. um, One,
1: if you're talking about something that you do at a teenager, today to watch, I think as much as getting captured to where the belly is is uh, quite humorous, and who knocked your sister up is a great line um, I think there are better much better representations of teen pregnancy on screen and I would put Juno as one of those, I would say Juno is something that a teenager of today could watch, and yeah. it has the brilliant Alison Janney in it who, as Mrs. Perky, is is just. Oh, she's a brilliant character in this film. Um. So yes, my recommendation would be Juno. She's not a huge character in Juno; it's mainly Ellen Page and Michael Sarah. But yes, I would point people in the direction of Juno if you have to see it go and see it. And my second recommendation, I couldn't not mention something by major <laughs> who is well I, yeah I see films like this and think how much of an acting talent he was mm. um, and whatever you think of say a film like the Dark Knight, his performance was a tour of force than that um I'm not going to mention Dark Knight again because it just irritate real. Um I want to mention up Mountain. Um, which he is a very good in. I know um I think someone mentioned the last scene with him in. That's the most beautiful piece of acting then. Really. It's another another actor. I should be able to do that out at some point. Um but yes, Brokeback Mountain by Angby in two thousand and five, which I saw at the cinema with my sister.
0: That was a bad decision. <laughs> uh, I know your sister. She didn't She didn't love that.
1: Yeah. Well, it was well, 2005. It was 15. I think it was the first time that I'd gone to the cinema with her because she would have been 15, 16. So it was the first yeah. time we'd go to see a quote-unquote adult film. And, so I'd and take what it a, to see a one to pick film, for you, a film we'd pick very God, God knows what Amazing. Yeah.
0: How about you? So I we haven't mentioned them too much in this um, discussion, um, but I wanted to highlight a couple of the sort of background, the background, secondary characters in the movie who I thought were really, really good, who um, we didn't even talk much, too much about. So first up, uh, Michael Ekman, who is Cameron's sort of first friend um, and his sort of confidant through this, played by David Krumholtz who has been in lots and lots of things over the years. Um, But I want to take the opportunity to mention the 2005 film Serenity. This is the spin-off from the Firefly TV series. He pops up as a character called Misty Universe, who is like a media mogul-esque character. He has that same kind of plucky, nerdy charm that he has in 10 Things I Have About You. Serenity itself is a brilliant movie. I think it's one of the best science fiction films I've seen in a long time. Having loved the TV series from Josh Whedon, the idea of, kind of picking it into a full movie is a dream come true for a lot of science nerds, science nerds, and it pulls it off so well. If you haven't seen Serenity, I urge you to watch. If you haven't seen Firefly, I urge you to watch Firefly and then Serenity. Um, but I just think it's it's a great... It's a chance for me to mention it. I'm going to take it. My second mention, we haven't really mentioned at all in this, um, which is Chastity Church. Who Bianca's best friend, who ends up kind of running off with um, the, one of the other sort of uh, Joey when she kind of breaks up with him, um, played by Gabriella Union. Gabriella? Gabrielle Union, who has been in lots and lots of things over time, but she's in one of my favourite films of all time, uh, and that's Bad Boys 2. I've been on other podcasts talking about that show. I've talked about Bad Boys 2 a lot in different podcasts. I'll put some links down below, but it is. An over-the-top, incredibly intense Michael Bay film um, starring Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. Gabrielle Union turns up as Martin Lawrence's sister, who is an undercover DEA agent who's also dating Will Smith. It's all very confusing. There's a lot of swearing and neon lights and insanity. It's such an incredibly weird, intense movie. I just have a lot of deep love for it. Um, and her popping up in here is and that's it tells me to mention that one as well. I can get two movies in as a sort of back-end recommendation. So yeah, Serenity and Bad Boys 2. So next week, guys, we are coming back with, I think, a film from 2005, he says, quickly Googling this. Um, we are coming back with another iconic teen movie, Mean Girls. So we back here in two weeks' time to discuss that.
1: Until then, you can find us both on Twitter at Prestige Podcast.
0: You can find just me at Kaiju FM.
1: And you can find just me at Life
0: underscore academic. And we'll see you back here in two weeks' time.